Welcome to the Marcia Miyake Show, where our mission is to share thought-provoking ideas, practical tools, and tangible strategies to up-level your life, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Marcia Miyake, leadership and emotional intelligence consultant, executive coach, and conscious mama of two. Through solo episodes and interviews with experts in the medical, research, business, and spiritual fields, this show helps you to shift from the illusion that success in one area of your life means failure in another to the understanding that you truly get to have it all. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode, my love. I'm so excited to share this conversation I had with emotional and relational intelligence coach, Rasati. In this episode, we discuss the importance of emotional intelligence, communicating our needs, establishing boundaries, empowering our children, and outgrowing our parents. This is such a juicy conversation, so let's dive right in. I'm wondering like what inspired you to get into emotional intelligence in like particular. I think I was doing it before there was a term for it. I think um, I've been through so many things in my life that when people come to me for advice, it's more like, how do I deal with my emotions? How do I deal with my emotions? And somewhere along the line, all the introspection, all the, you know, the psych studies, all of that stuff, I kind of found a way to put logic to that abstract idea of what a feeling is. And so it became easier to kind of help people understand what is emotional intelligence? What what is it, what does it make it, what makes it intelligent, right? So understanding where the feeling comes from, what the feeling actually is, accepting that, yeah, okay, I have this feeling. It might not be a pretty feeling that I want to tell the world about, but it's still a feeling. And then being able to understand, well, what can I do from here? Like, do I just sit with this? Can I adjust it so I don't have to feel it again? Um, can I draw boundaries? Can I speak up for myself? Like that's, that's basically all it is, is learning to love yourself in such a way that you draw boundaries for people to be close to you. If they're willing to kind of like, you know, follow a couple of rules, it's kind of like tickets to a concert, right? You got general admission and then you have VIP tickets and you have backstage passes and they come with an extra price added on, but that's what it takes to be really close to me. So if you're willing to, you know, abide by a couple of these rules so you can be really close to me, then I have close friends and I have acquaintances and I have people I walk around with sometimes. And that's how I've built my life. So me learning how to figure out that for myself, I think made it easier to teach at some point. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love that. Let's, let's dive into that. Like that whole boundaries thing is really interesting to me because what I see a lot, and I don't know if you see this too with your clients, is women will come to me and say their life is feeling like this and it's, and it's not going well because of this. And a lot of it comes back to a lack of boundaries. Like, their life is like this because they have allowed people to treat them like this. They've allowed their husband to treat them. They've allowed their colleagues or their boss to treat them. It hurts people's feelings just to say, what happens is what you allow. And if you sit with that for a moment, well, I let them do this so long because I thought I could manage it. I thought I could, I mean, it's not a big deal, but it starts to build. It's the little things that really build up. And suddenly it's like, I can't take this anymore. I got to say something, right? So something I try to help people understand, like there's a beautiful analogy where people say it's a straw that broke the camel's back. But think about that. A straw cannot physically break a camel's back. But the way he carried the load, that can absolutely break your back. 
Mm, oh, that's so true. So why do you think, okay, so I'm, I'm making a generalization here by saying women, I think probably because I've been working with women for several years now. <clears throat> and I find that women tend to carry a lot without saying anything. And then they have this moment where they're like, I can't take anymore. Yeah. And um, I don't want to make them wrong. But there's often they don't communicate that there was something wrong along the way. They carried, you know, that weight for all that time. And people are supposed to read their minds. And then all of a sudden it's unbearable. That's um, it exactly. Reading minds, right? So I'm going to say this because I did the same thing. Um, raised in an Asian family, I was taught that strength comes from how much you can take. But just because you can take it shouldn't mean that you should take it. So my mom would talk about, well, I never complained about this and I did this and I managed that. And I, you know, like the whole list of what the previous generation did comes into play. And you're taught that strength is quiet. It bears all. It serves all. But that's not love. That's, that's putting other people's needs ahead of our own because apparently that is how a mother should love. But that's not true because if you have nothing left to give, how can you serve them? It's like uh, when, when they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you put it on your children, you want to put it on your child first. But if you pass out in the midst of that, what good are you? They're going to die too, right? So if we do not learn to take care of ourselves, if we do not question what our parents are telling us, we're not even allowed to question them, right? So if we don't question what they're telling us, we can't figure out what would work best for us. So yeah, my mom did it. That, that's a different kind of strength. That was her generation. You don't say nothing. You bear all, you know, that's how strong you are. You kept it all together with maybe a paperclip and you did not put your needs first because they're taught that that is selfish. But what I've discovered for myself is if I don't ask for help, they assume I don't need it. If I don't tell my husband, please take this child because they're screaming and I just can't manage, give me like 30 minutes to kind of reset myself, take the kid, you know, if I don't ask for the help, they're not going to give it. You know that saying where you don't check on your strong friends? You need to check on your strong friends. Just because they don't ask for help doesn't mean they don't need help. But strong friends, you need to ask for help. That is also strength, to be vulnerable and show people that I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. I am not impenetrable, right? I need a break. I need help. I've had so many clients who don't want to go ask their friends to step in for them. Like, you know, they don't want to go house shopping by themselves or go pick up furniture by themselves because it feels weird to have to do it by themselves. Right. And they don't want to ask that person because they want to feel stupid because I can't do this by myself. Who says you have to? Mm -hmm. Who said that this is what strength looks like? You define strength for yourself. Maybe you're really good at this one thing, but you kind of not great with IT, let's say. Right. And if you can ask someone who's good in IT to share their strength with you, doesn't that help you learn in a safe environment? Doesn't that give you a little bit of confidence to maybe like learn how to do things? Like, I mean. Yeah. And I think it goes over. both ways in that <clears throat> we always think that me asking for help, not only does it show that I'm like weak or that I'm, you know, not strong within myself, but that someone is going to be upset that I'm asking people want to help. 
people genuinely, the people that care about you, it gives you a sense of purpose. Like when a friend asks me for a favor, I feel good about helping them. Like it's, it's, I was so used to them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a mutually um, beneficial thing. And it's interesting. You said like this idea of like strength bears all. And this is to me, it's, it's a, it's kind of like a crazy concept because if you think about it, we're not superhuman. So as much as we think we are carrying this heavy load as mothers, let's say, right. We're like taking it all on and, you know, I'm super strong and I'm just gonna, you know, like tough it out. Yeah. But you're, since you're not a superhuman, you, every time you're getting depleted and depleted and depleted. And that means I have less to give. Yes. to my children, to myself. And that actually makes me weaker. So if we're thinking of from like a strength perspective, like I want to maintain my strength, you maintaining your strength is drawing those boundaries. Like you said, asking for help. That's how you maintain your high level of strength. Or if you want to look at it from like an energetic perspective, like your vibration, yep. right? You yep. can't, you know, using that like cup analogy, like, you know, oh, you I love that you brought that up, depleted, you know, <laughs> like the depleted cup, like you can't be like pouring, pouring and have an empty cup and still think that you have tea to serve. You have nothing to serve. So I have a PSA about the cup. The cup is refillable. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're, if you're hemorrhaging energy somewhere, it means you have to plug the leak and then replenish. This is where other people can help you. Maybe you're holding this huge burden. You might be Atlas for a moment. You're holding the whole world on your shoulders. But if you don't ask for help, how long do you think you can hold it? There's a really great um, experiment that people have been taught, right? So if I gave you a cup of water to hold, right? And you held it in front of you like this, it's probably fine. And you could probably hold it for quite a long time. But if I asked you to hold it at arm's length like this, how long do you think you could hold that? The, cu- the weight of the cup does not change, but the amount of energy it takes to hold that cup changes. And so... It really depends on how long do you want to hold all this together? Is that really going to be your story? I held all of it together. But did you have fun? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you laugh along the way? And I think this is what balance needs to be. This is what we as women need to figure out what balance is. To have a partner in life is to share the burden because many hands make light work, right? And I think it was in Corinthians that says, love bears all. That doesn't feel like love to me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bear it all. If I don't tell you it hurts me, you're going to continue to hurt me. And at the end of the day, like after, let's say, like a couple of years, and I say, you did this and it hurt me, but you did it every day and it hurt me. The first question they're going to ask is, well, why don't you say something? <laughs> so now what do I do? Mm, yeah, exactly. And I think going back, like as as mothers, you know, when, you know, our mothers modeled this, whatever it was, their vision of what a strong woman was, like my mom, you know, did her version of that. Um, but also as a mother, we can reflect and be like, okay, we know what's going on in our bodies. We know if we're in pain and we're holding this big load about, you know, I'm being strong. What are we teaching our children? Yes. Do you want your child to suffer in the way that you are because you're programming them to, to bear it all, you know, and we do, I even catch myself the way sometimes I find myself like gaslighting my daughter because I'm like, oh, when I was your age or, or, and I'm like, well, isn't that what our parents did to us? Right. And it's almost like I suffered in that way. So you need to suffer in this way. And we do this so subconsciously when we go through that, like that martyr thing. Like, Yeah. When we feel weak and we don't want like, and I've caught myself saying that too. 
I've caught myself saying that, you know, well, when I was growing up, this was not a big deal. But I find myself explaining for context now. So instead of just leaving it as, okay, I'm shaming you because I did this and you can't do this. What's wrong with you? It's more like, okay, when I was growing up, this is what was expected of me. And because it was expected of me and I hated it so much, I'm trying to make sure that you don't have to go through that. But let me give you context. This is what was expected. This is not expected of you. But here are some of the things that you probably need going forward. So now it's a matter of, and it's very morose to say this, but the way I teach my daughter now is to live without me. I'm not going to be here forever. I have a couple of skill sets. I have a little bit of knowledge. I want to share all of that with you. But if I keep having to tell you the same thing over and over again, I don't get to the new lessons. Mm. So it's better for you. Like if you can complete the sentence, when I say, have you, you know exactly what I'm going to say. If you know it well enough to, to repeat it back to me, why aren't you doing something about it? You want mm. me to nag you? You want me to yell? Like, I don't want to have that kind of a relationship with you. Mm. And how old is your da- daughter for contact? Well, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm just going to put a disclaimer there for parents, because, you know, if you are hearing us and you're like, oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds great. Like that is so appropriate for somebody who is 12. That is not appropriate for someone who is four. And I, and it sounds crazy for me to even say that, but like, I had ridiculous expectations of my daughter when she was three and four. And only now that I have the second one, I look at and I'm like, I would never expect him to do that because I have a point of comparison. So we need to meet our children where they're at in terms of brain development, emotional um, awareness, all of that. Um, But I love how you were able to communicate like, you know, the type of relationship that you want to have with her and also like still holding her to a level of um, this is what's required, but then giving her the skill set to actually be able to execute on what's required of her. And I think that's the difference maybe from the parenting that we had. It was kind of like. Do it. Yeah, there wasn't no else. It was just do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Like so what question about age appropriateness, right? I think that's really important too, because I didn't realize it until I was going through it. The funny thing is, it's not until you're in a parenting relationship that you start to heal all of the parenting wounds that you experienced. And I feel like, our parents forgot we were kids and they needed us to grow up so fast. And there were so many responsibilities that we had to have. And unfortunately, when my daughter was four, all she wanted to do was play. And there's nothing wrong with that. When I teach uh, teachers and other parents, I remind them that the developmental milestones, we have the books until about two years old, but then after that, they don't say anything. Kids are meant to jump around. They're not meant to sit still. Right. And they have a lot of energy, but, the thing that people forget is when they play is when they assimilate the information that they've learned. They have to play. They have to pretend. They have to, you know, talk it out. They have to, like, touch and feel things to be able to assimilate the information. Otherwise, it does not get turned into long-term memory. And for children who do not sit still, that is to be expected of them, which means don't make them sit down for hours at a time. They're not going to do it. You're going to be frustrated. So if you watch your child, your child would teach you how to best parent them. Mm. when they get upset about certain they're telling you boundaries they don't know how to say a boundary but they're setting boundaries Mm. and they cry about certain things um my daughter hated naps the idea of a nap but she could not survive that one and so what ended up happening was i would have to lay down with her and we just start talking and she'd fall asleep and then i could get up but if i told her we're going to get a nap she's going to have a fit she's going to throw a temper tantrum and so we can't get the nap the way that we want to then 
Mm. So if you listen to your children, they will teach you how they need to be parented. You will know where you be firm and you know where you need to play and relax. And they will teach you how to slow down because as adults, we don't slow down anymore. We don't play anymore. Mm. But that is what work-life balance is. You have to play still. Oh, that was like, that was aha. And, and like, I hope that it was like alarm bells for our <laughs> listeners with like, you know, we can get the parenting books, you know, I have, I have mentors in the parenting space, you know, but the best ones will tell you that you need to tune into your child. Don't just try a strategy on your child. You know, I love that you just lay down with, with your, um, with your little girl, because I had to do the same thing with my daughter too. Um, she wouldn't sleep unless I was next to her. And I'd have to do that, like creep, like that ninja try to creep <laughs> away, you know? Um, yeah. from, and she would often like feel that I was leaving and she'd grab me. Um, and I then I'd be pinned. Put in place of me and, lay yeah. there pillow, and then I like escape, but that's it. That's definitely it. We know logically that different kids learn different ways. We know logically that we have multiple children. All of them have different personalities. But to execute that is different. When we're not in a mood, we know. When we're in a mood, we forget. Mm, mm. Which is why I keep telling people it's really hard to think logically when you're in a heightened emotional state. So you, well, you can't calm down. You yeah. can't. It's one or the other. And yeah. they're like, no, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think like when we know that it's hard for us to think logically in a heightened uh-huh. state, picture now a child who doesn't even have the mental capacity that we have not even close. And then we look at their temper tantrum so differently. Like with my daughter again, like I, and I feel like this is always like with the first child because you're (laughs) you're effing up all the time. Right. And it's like, I had these ridiculous expectations and I couldn't handle her temper tantrums because it triggered the wounded inner child in me But with Luca. It's so different. Like I I can like walk away from it with far less emotional charge on my part. Like I realize he just needs to get that out. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad mom and it doesn't mean that he's crazy. It just means he's expressing an emotion and it's, you know, developmentally exactly where he needs to be. And I can not be affected by that. But with my daughter, so highly, so highly charged. And with your point on play, um, so important. It's something that I'm personally working on even now. So, and you know, the things that your parents say to you, it's funny what sticks, you know, like, cause my mom, you know, would have said lovely things, I'm sure. But one of the things that she said, and I will never forget was all you want to do is play. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I made it wrong. I was like, I internalized that like play is wrong. She's working. I'm just playing. Like I'm not being productive. I'm so most of my adult life, I really moved away from playing or resting or not being productive. Like I was one of those people like, okay, so they say I need to rest to be a high performer. How can I rest more productively? Like this is... <laughs> Power naps, but this is the thing, the word play. How do you prevent burnout? You play along the way. Because think about this, if you don't set the boundaries and you don't take breaks, even if you went for a vacation for six months and came back, the stuff that was bothering you is still there. You left it right there. It's exactly there waiting for you. So you might as well 
say what you need to say in the team. If somebody's not performing to their, their best or they're creating more work for you, say something. Because then at least if you've said something and they don't meet you halfway and correct the issue and you take it to a higher, you know, uh, upper management, whatever you let them know, and they still don't take it seriously. Now you realize that's becoming a toxic environment for you. Mm. Mm. So all of this to say that parenting will have you revisit all of your childhood trauma in the best possible way. If you see it that way, it's a learning experience. You get to heal yourself as you comfort and support your child the way you wish you had been comforted and supported. You get to learn to slow down because guess what? When they want your attention, they only need it for about 15 minutes, but they're only that age for that year. And then it's gone. And like I said, I blinked, she's 12. And the things I get to do with her now are very different from the things I used to do with her before, but I'm glad that I fought for those things then. Mm. And I'm very lucky. I had two stepchildren kind of teach me all this before I had my daughter. But I made tons of mistakes. And the reason I laid down with my daughter is because I did it every other way first and it did not work. And so I listened. Mm. Instead of butting heads, we learned to work with each other. Mm. I love that. And I hope that's a lesson for, for a lot of people that there is nothing wrong with your child. Like your child is just, you have to tune into your child and give your child what they need. And every child wants to rest. Like they don't, they're not going to say that, but they want their body needs rest. They don't and miss they out. Figure, they yeah. And they, they're, they, you have to figure out the best way to meet their needs. It's not up to them. It's up to us as the parents. Um, so I absolutely love that. And I feel like kind of like a theme here has been like this need to communicate um, your, your needs. And this is huge in terms of emotional intelligence and living a happy life. I mean, people aren't mind readers. They're not going to just know. Um, but I find that a lot of women really are unable to do that. So how can someone move from not being able to communicate their needs? Like, where do they even begin? If I've lived my life this whole time, not communicating my needs, and now I'm frustrated, how do I start? Okay. So as much as we, we just talked about how there's nothing wrong with our child, there's nothing wrong with you as adults either. You have a couple maybe outdated programming like beliefs that you might need to let go of that are that are keeping you stuck in a struggle where you feel like you're bad if you do this or you're you should feel guilty if you do that right so those are things that exist that's programming though the program can be updated if you want to so that's one thing there's nothing wrong with you you can update your belief system at any point in time people just don't say that the second thing is when you start to speak up for yourself is going to be ugly it's going to be a difficult conversation. It's going to come out all wrong. You're going to say the wrong thing, but that's okay. That's the beginning. So if you think about kids again, right? When they have a temper tantrum, they are very loudly telling you something does not suit their needs. They do not like this. Okay. And they don't have the beautiful, eloquent sentences to say, I don't like this because it makes me feel like that. And sometimes it comes out that way. Adults have temper tantrums too. They yell and scream, and then afterwards they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I behaved that way. But you did because along the way you did not say something. Because maybe you thought it was too small to say something about. Maybe you thought you were being jealous to say something about some behavior that made you feel some kind of way, right? But those feelings are there for a reason. 
So if I were to tell you that your spirit communicates with you all the time, right? Your spirit talks to you in emotion. When suddenly you feel angry about something, your spirit is saying, that did not feel good. Somebody stepped over a boundary somewhere. And now we got to think about, did I set the boundary or didn't I? And if I did, do I enforce the boundary again or do I give up and walk away, right? But the thing is, there's nothing wrong with you. Your emotions are valid. They're there for a reason. Don't stuff them down and pretend they don't exist. And the minute you tell somebody how something made you feel, it's going to come out ugly. And you're going to feel horrible. You're going to be like, well, I should have left well enough alone. Why did I even say something? I could have just left it be because now he's flipping out or she's upset with me. But you had to say it or they don't know. And yes, it will rub up against how they feel about themselves as well. And you will get reaction from people. But you have to put you first. Because if you do not put you first, you will find yourself cutting off pieces of yourself, muting parts of yourself, disowning parts of yourself, and then wonder why no one knows you. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. What, I, <laughs> what you said, because I'm like, give it to them. Um, it's going to be ugly. I love that. Um, but it's not going to be ugly all the time. But no. when you start out, it will be. It's like you have, I always say like when it comes to business, when it comes to anything, you have to be willing to suck. Guess what? If you've never communicated your needs, mama, the first time it comes out, it's going to be ugly. But do you know it's what? Gonna You're going to find the right words. You're going to find the right, like, you know, oh, that tone didn't work. I realized those words triggered him. That word specifically triggered her. Okay, I'm going to say it like this. And then eventually you're going to be able to communicate your needs so eloquently with, you know, minimal damage, let's say, to other people's feelings. But at the same time, if their feelings are hurt, that's okay too you it's have okay. to be okay with that because a relationship that's worth keeping and worth nurturing we have to be willing with each other's imperfections like I'm not going to say it perfectly every time but I'm going to try to you know not hurt your feelings but I can't deny my feelings and one of the things you said was you're shutting pieces of yourself away you're muting yourself and I link this to abandoning yourself this is you abandoning yourself every time that you don't communicate when even something that really just kind of hurts your heart. Like when you're talking about um, communicating, maybe if something made you jealous, how yeah. many women, there was a red flag. But it's okay. Yes. And, but we don't want to look like, I don't want to look like I feel jealous because then I'll look like I'm too interested or I'm going to look like I'm crazy when no, mm -hmm. There, this is part of being in a relationship. There are going to be instances where you may feel jealous. It's a natural part of the relationship and you're allowed to communicate that. And that's one of the ways that we get to learn, is this person for me or not? Is he going to gaslight you in that moment or is he going to validate your feelings? Is he going to ask more questions or is he going to just push you away? This is all very telling. And this is why we often end up in the wrong relationship. Exactly. I can put my hand up. Your red flags so often, right? And you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, he was having a bad day. Yeah, oh, great. But, but how many bad days could he possibly have, right? So at the end of the day, when you do stand up for yourself and you do say something for yourself, yes, it's going to come out ugly. But you will know if the other person wants to work with you on this, as in like they're putting a relationship first. You'll know when they ask questions. Not questions to be like, I can't believe you said that. Are you sure you want to say that? It's not like that. But if they're asking, wait, what part of that made you feel this way? 
is there another way that I, if they ask questions, those are like buying questions. They want to know more about you. How can I meet you halfway? I did not intend to do that. I was not trying to hurt you. I expressed it the best way I could at the time. Now I know better. I'm going to try and do to, do better. But can you advise me? A lot of times people want to tell people what to do, right? And we've tried that with kids. Do this. And they'll be like, no. But if you say, hey, can you help me with this? They will fall over themselves to try and help. So if you're going to tell somebody, don't do this, it hurts, come up with a couple of examples of how they could help instead. What is the alternative? They can't say the specific word because growing up, that was a bad word in your house, which that happens. Tell them what you would prefer instead. Mm. Don't leave it up to their imagination or it's going to be guess and check and they're going to get it wrong 99% exactly. of the time. But if you can tell them what would feel better, that's great. But in order for you to tell them, you need to know first. So you got to sit with that. And you got to think about, well, Okay, he did this thing and it really upset me. What would I prefer? We never ask, like, what would I prefer? What feels like love to me? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And one of the things that I get some of my clients to do when they're in, in situations like emotion, being emotionally charged in relationship is like, if they're going to communicate a feeling and they don't even know really what they're feeling, how they're like, they just know that it's ups, it's upsetting them. And sometimes one of the reasons we're quiet is because we can't fully articulate it and we can't yep. justify the feeling. So, and I, to this day, I still do this. I mean, I did this probably a couple of weeks ago with some of my business partners. I was like, listen, I just, I wanted to talk about something about how I'm feeling. I'm not saying what, how I'm feeling is true. It's factual. It's even logical. I'm just sharing how I'm feeling. So right away, I'm not placing blame. Then they can help me navigate. Oh, no, I think you misunderstood. This is what is actually right. happening. They have the right. opportunity. I'm just sharing how I feel. Because if we have the self-awareness enough to know that, like, hey, our feelings, like, they're valid and all that, but they're not always accurate. Like sometimes they're actually reflective of something that happened. It triggers something that happened, you know, years ago. And it, it feels like reminiscent of that. Yep. Or it could be that we started off in a mood and then this kind of like rubbed up against that. So the fact that they will ask questions or you saying something in the first place gives them the opportunity to have a discussion. A lot of times what I tell people to say, because I have a lot of couples that come to me. And of course, one cup, one person in the couple will come to me and say, okay, you need to tell him he's wrong because this is what's happening, but I need to hear his side of it too. And what I honestly end, end up finding out is that there are two people sitting on opposite sides of the table looking at each other to pass blame. Whereas what they should be doing is sitting on the same side of the table looking at the problem. So now I can figure out what do we need to change? If they don't, if they're looking to pass blame, you're not going to fix the problem. You're trying to fix each other. Whereas if you figure out what the problem is, once you can actually articulate what the problem is, the solution's in the articulation itself. Mm -hmm. If I can tell you that, you know what, um, I can't operate at an optimal level because the room is too cold. I know what the solution is I need to you know, increase the temperature so it's not so cold so now I can function. So if you can get to a place where you can say what the problem is, you know what the solution is already. You know what to ask for in response to that. But sometimes it takes a little bit, a little bit of discussion to get to articulating the problem, which is where it's going to come out wrong. You're going to have a fit. You're going to yell and scream. You don't intend to scream. You might raise your voice. You might raise your hand. That's you kind of trying to get it out of your system. Mm. But as long as you're ready to own what you've done that might be potentially hurtful to the other person, and that other person is willing to ask questions and maybe own up to what they've done, rather than saying, I didn't do that. That wasn't my intent. But 
it came out of your mouth. So if they can have a discussion, it changes everything, everything. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in that regard, any relationship can be saved if both parties are willing. It takes two hands to clap. Mm -hmm. You have to have both hands. Mm. Yeah, they have to be th that willingness piece, I think, is rooted in the emotional intelligence, right? Because a lot of the the characteristics and the actions that you were talking about, like, you know, being able to take responsibility for my role, like, this is what I did and like coming together and being like, okay, we're not going to be in our ego selves. And I need to defend and protect myself because you're attacking me. But like, oh, hey, there's this problem that's getting in between our love yeah. right now. Like, how can we like get rid of this? Like coming that requires a level of emotional intelligence because you have to have a, a level of emotional safety otherwise I'm gonna see me as like if I kind of like back off a little and not be as defensive like you're gonna attack me and do you see how like some people will attack until they get the reaction they want yeah and that's wrong too so th there are so many pieces to this dynamic but the first thing is you have to be brave enough to say something and it's not going to come out great and it's going to cause trouble but you want that trouble because right now you already know the way things are going, you don't like it. In order to have change, you have to invite chaos, which means you have to let go of what you know, step into stuff you've never seen before. You have no idea how they're going to react. You don't know if it's going to get better or worse. You don't know if, until you try either. If the difference between a good life and a great life is just a little bit more communication, wouldn't you risk that? Wouldn't it be worth it? Mm. your peace worth it and you said it before you're abandoning yourself right you're denying yourself you're gaslighting yourself into thinking you're i'm making a big deal out of something no you're not it's a big deal if it keeps coming up mm. if, it's, if it's a big deal and it, it changes the way you see people because if you can't admit that you're capable of saying things that could hurt people not intentionally but you're capable and if you can't admit the fact that some of your actions are not the most intelligent or not the most mature. It happens. We're still we're still growing up, you guys. We're adults, but we're still growing up. There's no manual for adulting at all. Um, but ideally, if you can admit that you're not perfect, that you could potentially hurt people, and then with love and compassion, want to fix that. Now, you won't want to fix every relationship. Some relationships you might be okay with letting go of, and that's okay too. But the ones that matter to you, you're going to want to try at least. And the most difficult relationships are the ones that you love to death, you hold in high regard, and the other person just does not want to come sit at the table and discuss it with you. And you have to be okay with loving them from afar because some of those people are just not ready to help fix the problem because you're not ready to admit that they are part of the problem. And so maybe you have to give them a wide berth for a while. So those things happen, but you don't know unless you speak up and no, you don't want to lose anyone along the way, but it happens. We outgrow our friends. We outgrow our parents. Sometimes, sometimes we outmature our parents and it's hard for them because they feel like as adults, they should know better. And how dare you come say these things to me? But guess what? We experience situations that they've never had to live through before. So how could they be mature in those spaces? So I have to see my parent as both just an individual and my parent. They're mm -hmm. not going to do everything. I, I had the worst relationship with my mother. I went through years where I just didn't even call. I called her for a birthday and that was it. But I had to get to a place where I had to let go of all of that judgment. It is judgment. If I can't tell you how I'm feeling, I'm judging you based on what you made me feel and I'm not like, letting you know about it. And that's mm -hmm. wrong too. Mm -hmm. it, it gets heavy to hold that judgment. I don't have space for that in my life. 
So until I told her what I was feeling and allowed her to tell me her side of the story, we could not reconcile. Mm. I thought she abandoned me and chose my dad over me for years. What ended up happening was she was not allowed to choose me. He would not allow it. Mm. And I had no idea. Because she bore it all and kept quiet. And that was her mm-hmm. strength. And this is why we need to get better at communicating in general, right? Like you are uh, like a daughter and mother that loved each other that were unable to communicate about this and look what it created, that separation that it created. Years we lost. Wow, that's crazy. With the um, the like outgrowing your parents thing, like I have this perspective that I feel like the kid like our children are just born more conscious they just come in with a higher knowing and I'm like so excited for the day that I'm like boom Aaliyah is now officially more wise than me like I have done my job you know yeah. because you have done your your kids will get to that point I mean she's already getting better on technology than me I'm like you're set. <laughs> You're in charge of this now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's um uh th- that that's really the thing is that we have as women, we need to get better at opening this part up, opening up our voices, knowing that it's going to not be great in the beginning, but this is your first step to creating the life that you want because without that, nothing can happen, no change can happen. Your husband cannot read your mind your children cannot read your mind your boss can you have to be able to communicate that be willing it for it for it to be ugly at the beginning know that you're going to get better and that is really the first um the first step that awkward is necessary i think this is the last post that uh it was like real that i made you don't you don't know you're growing until you felt awkward because you put yourself in a new space and you don't know what it's supposed to look like and you're going to look crazy. Like the first time you did a TikTok, right? It's going to be crazy. You're going to feel crazy because you're talking, you're lip syncing to something and it doesn't make sense, but eventually you get good at it. So get used to feeling awkward. That is like a great progress bar for growth. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. If you love this episode, please share it with someone. And if you're a longtime listener, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would rate and review this show on iTunes. I love you so much and I can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. And remember, it's not only possible to have it all, it is your birthright.